turn to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 this morning, and I'm going to read from verse 22. It says, And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the great opportunity that we have to be together in this place, to come and sing praise to your name, and to come around your, your wonderful word and the, the truths contained therein. And Lord, I pray that this morning you would take your word and that you would speak to each of our hearts, that you would challenge us, that you would refresh us through your word, that we'd leave singing your praises. Lord, I pray that you would empower me through the Spirit. You'd give me wisdom and guidance as I speak. Indeed, it would be your words. It would be your thoughts this morning. And Lord, you would receive all the, all the praise and all the glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, last Sunday, uh, we saw how Paul and his team, they left the city of Trice. Okay? It's at the start of this chapter. He was in the city of Trice there. He was ministering and he preached all night. And Eutychus fell out of the window and died, and Paul raised him back to life. And then after that, his, his team left, and they began the journey down the coast uh, of Asia Minor there, down the coast, heading towards Jerusalem. And we saw how they deliberately bypassed the city of Ephesus. Okay? They didn't stop in there at port. They deliberately kept sailing on by. And the reason for that was that they'd already spent uh, a great amount of time in Ephesus, and Paul didn't really want to get caught up there again. Paul was in a, in a hurry. He wanted to get down to Jerusalem in time for Pentecost. Uh, verse 16 tells us that. It says, For Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he uh, would not spend the time in Asia, for he hasted, if it were possible for him, to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. And so he's, he's in a hurry. He's trying to make it in time for Pentecost, uh, trying to arrive by that date. And even though he bypassed the city of Ephesus, he still wanted to meet with the brethren one last time. He wanted to give them uh, some final words of encouragement, give them a final message, if you like, uh, before he left them. And so he sends messengers to uh, call for the Ephesian elders to come and meet with him at the city of Miletus. Okay, it says in verse 17, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And so he calls for these elders to make the journey uh, from Ephesus down to Miletus and to meet with him there. And then from verse 18 to the end of the chapter, uh, we have what's been called or dubbed Paul's farewell address to the Ephesian elders. It's one uh, long sermon that Paul preaches. 
uh, to them, uh, some instructions he gives to them. And we said last week that it's divided into three parts. Okay, We looked at the first part of this message last week. We saw that he, he reflects upon his past ministry among them. He reminded them of the fact that, of his motive, okay, his motive for service, that he was the servant of the Lord. He reminded them of his manner of ministry, the way he conducted himself. And he reminded them of his message. And now this morning we come to the second part of his farewell address. Uh, Paul now turns his attention to his present mission. Okay, and he speaks about the present mission that is before him. And we see first of all here this morning uh, the dangers ahead. The dangers ahead. Verse 22 it says, And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 22 begins there with the words, <clears throat> and now behold. Those words, and now behold, they tell us that he's changing subject. Okay? And it tells us that he's changed what he's been talking about. He's now onto a, a different point. And as I said, he's now talking about his present mission. Okay? And his present mission, as he alludes to there in verse 22, was to travel to Jerusalem. That's where he's heading. He's heading for Jerusalem and he's, he's carrying that love gift. Okay? He's gone around the Gentile churches collecting this love offering uh, to take down to the, the brethren at Jerusalem who are struggling. Okay? They're poor, they're, they're struggling and they're in need. And so the Gentile churches have lovingly taken up this gift and sent it with Paul and he's taken it down to uh, the city of Jerusalem unto the church there. You know, Paul believed that his ministry in Asia Minor, his ministry in Macedonia and in Achaia was now complete. You know, up until now we've been looking at his missionary journeys and how he's travelled around those regions. And now he, he believes that ministry is complete and that the Lord is now moving him on to a new fields of ministry. You know, back in chapter 19 and verse 21, we saw that Paul's desire was to go to Rome. Uh, chapter 19 in verse 21, it says, After these things were ended, Paul purposed in the Spirit, when he passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I've been there, I must also see Rome. So he's already spoken about his desire to go to Rome. That's where he, he wants to end up. He really believes that that's where God would have him to go next. He has a burden for the city of Rome. But before he could go to Rome, he first had to travel to Jerusalem. And he had to deliver this gift unto the brethren. And Paul makes it clear here that this journey was not something he was just doing on a personal whim. Okay? He wasn't just doing this because he decided that he wanted to go to Jerusalem. No, he felt compelled. He felt compelled, uh, constrained, if you like, to go to Jerusalem. He says there in verse 22, he says, And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem. He felt bound to do this, constrained to do this. He strongly believed that God wanted him to take the gospel message to Rome. That, that was what he believed. But he also strongly believed that first of all, he needed to go to Jerusalem. And this journey that was before him was one of uncertainty. Paul didn't really know what was coming. He says there in verse 22, he says, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. He knew it was God's will for him to go to Jerusalem. He says, I'm bound in the spirit. But he didn't know exactly what was going to take place there. 
He has to be like all of us when we embark upon the will of the Lord. God doesn't tell us everything that's going to happen, does he? He doesn't tell us every, everything that's going to happen along the way and how it's all going to be sorted out, how it's all going to come together. Well, that's Paul here. He doesn't know everything. God hasn't revealed that to him. God simply said, you're going to Jerusalem. There's uncertainty here. He's uncertain of what exactly is waiting for him there. All he knows is that it's not going to be easy. That's all he knows. He knows it's not going to be an easy task. It's not going to be an easy journey. You see, he goes on in verse 23 to say, Save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. He says that the Spirit is testifying unto him. Everywhere he goes, the Spirit is testifying that bonds and afflictions are waiting for him at Jerusalem. Now, this seems to be contrary to what he's just said. I mean, verse 22, he says, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. And then in verse 23, he says, the Spirit's told me bonds and afflictions are waiting for me there. The point here is that he wasn't sure of the severity. Now, the Spirit had said there's, there's bonds, affliction coming, there's hard times coming, but Paul doesn't exactly know the severity of it. He doesn't know how it's going to end. He doesn't know whether he's going to be in bonds and then end up being put to death. He doesn't know where it's going to take him. He doesn't know uh, the end of it all. He simply knows two things. He knows God has called him to go to Jerusalem. That's God's will. And he knows that it's a dangerous journey. He knows there's danger awaiting for him there. You know, this warning by the Spirit here that bonds and afflictions awaited. Now, this was something that Paul had been experiencing for some time. He had been, uh, been told this by the Spirit already for at least a few weeks, if not a, a couple of months. The Spirit had been telling him this fact that bonds and afflictions were waiting for him at the city of Jerusalem. Now, when he wrote to the Romans uh, from the city of Corinth, which was only a few weeks before this, Paul expressed his concern about what was going to happen in Jerusalem. Just go to Romans chapter 15 with me. In Romans 15, excuse me, in verse 30 it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service, which I have for Jerusalem, may be accepted of the saints. He's writing here, this is a few weeks before this point in the book of Acts. It was when he was at Corinth last, he wrote that epistle to the Romans. And as he's writing to the Romans, he's expressing this very fact that he knows something's coming. Okay? And he's asking them to pray with him, to pray that he will escape the the suffering there at the hand of the Judeans in Jerusalem. And so it's evident that the Spirit has already been speaking to him, already been warning him, preparing him for what's coming. And you know, these warnings, they continued right up until he reached Jerusalem. Chapter 21 and verse 4, we read that when he's in the city of Tyre, it says this, And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit, that he should not go up to Jerusalem. The city of Tyre, he's got these brethren in the spirit, okay? They're prophesying, they're saying, Paul, do you know what's waiting for you at Jerusalem? Later on in that same chapter, verse 11, this is at Caesarea. It says, And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle 
and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Again, Caesarea, you've got uh, the, the Agabus there who, who prophesies and says, Paul, this is what's going to happen to you at Jerusalem. You see, the point is the Spirit had been preparing him and continued to prepare him for what was coming, the dangers that were ahead. You know, it's interesting that the word bound in verse 22 there in Acts where it says, I go bound in the Spirit. That word bound and the, and the word in verse 23 where it says uh, bonds and afflictions. That word bonds and that word bound are both from the same Greek word. The exact same Greek word is, is the root of both those words and they both mean to be fastened with chains. In verse 22, Paul says the Holy Spirit had figuratively chained his spirit, his will, to go to Jerusalem and he was on a course that would result in literal chains. That's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, I've been chained figuratively, can't get out of it, this is what the Spirit's telling me to do and it's going to end in chains, literal chains. See, Paul was surrendered to the will of God. That's the point here, isn't it? He's completely surrendered to the will of God for his life and he's willing to go wherever God led him, even if suffering was the result. Paul's determined to do God's will. You see, Paul understood that while he didn't know the end result of it all, God did. He couldn't see the end. He didn't know exactly how it was going to end at Jerusalem, but God knew exactly what was going to happen. God knew that was his vehicle to Rome. God knew exactly what he was doing. Paul couldn't see that, but Paul understood that God was in control. And so Paul here determined that he was going to continue forward and not turn back. That's our second point this morning. We see Paul's determination. Paul's determination. Verse 24, it says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now, even though the Holy Spirit was warning Paul, telling Paul that ahead of him was these dangers, there's bonds and afflictions awaiting for him at Jerusalem, Paul refused to let that news move him. He says that at the start of verse 24, he says, But none of these things move me. None of these things move me. These things are not shaken his resolve to do the will of God. He knew what God's will was and he says, I'm not turning back. Yes, it's, it's going to be hard. There's dangers ahead, but I'm not turning back. I'm doing God's will. Now, there was no consideration here by Paul of changing course. There's no consideration by Paul of just going a different direction. You know, trying to escape these afflictions that were coming. There was no consideration of abandoning the will of God and running away. He didn't think about doing a Jonah, did he? You know, Jonah, he ran from the will of God. That's what he was running from, running from God's will. But Paul, he didn't consider doing that. Paul here was steadfast in his determination to do what God had asked him to do, no matter what. 
You know, the reason that he was so steadfast in his decision is revealed for us in the next words there in verse 24. He says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself. This is the reason that he wouldn't be moved. Because Paul didn't count his life as something precious to be held on to at all costs. He didn't look at his life and say, it's a precious possession and I must protect it. He wasn't concerned about himself. He wasn't living for self. Paul was living for the Lord. We talked about last week, but he saw himself as a, a humble servant of the Lord. That's what he was. He says, I'm the slave of God. And he was willing to go wherever God sent him. Now, as a disciple of Christ, he had considered the cost. And he had calculated that losing his life was nothing compared to what he gained in Christ. Now, in Luke chapter 14, Christ taught about the idea of discipleship. And Christ said that discipleship costs us. It costs something. Just turn over this, read it. Luke chapter 14. In Luke 14, and read from verse 25, it says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after you have laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. For what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Now, Christ tells us quite clearly that discipleship costs. Now, this is why not all who are saved are true disciples of Christ. Because to step out and follow Christ is a sacrifice that we have to make. It's a sacrifice. And that's what Paul had done. You know, Paul had counted the cost. And he had calculated that serving God was worth it. He sat down and he said, serving God is is worth it. I can sacrifice all for him. You know, he was willing to lose all. He says that in Philippians, doesn't he? Just turn over there, Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7. Paul says this, he says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. You know, Paul, he... He says that he is willing to suffer the loss of all things. And he counts them as dung. Why? That I might win Christ. See, Paul had counted the cost. And to him, sacrificing all for the Lord was worth it. 
You see, the spiritual, doing the will of God, was the number one priority for the Apostle Paul. That was his priority in life. And indeed, you know, it ought to be the priority for all of us. If we know the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior today, then the priority for each of us in our life ought to be the Lord, serving Him, doing what He wants us to do. And indeed, nothing should move us from doing God's will. We should be able to say, like with Paul, nothing will move us. Not even the fear of persecution. Now, serving God must be the priority, the driving force. Now, I wonder, have we counted the cost? Have we counted the cost? Are we willing to lose all for Christ? That's what true discipleship means. Willing to lose all for Him. You know, Paul goes on in verse 24 there to state that his main concern was not preserving life, not living for self, it was to finish the course. Verse 24 there again says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. Now the word course here means race, you know, a race course. Paul viewed the Christian life as being a race. He viewed God's will for his life as being a race, as being a course that God has set out before him. He saw it as a race that, that he needed to run to the best of his ability and seek to finish that course that God had given him. Now notice here that Paul declares that this course was received of the Lord. He says, So that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus was the one who laid out the course before him. Paul wasn't dictating the terms of the course. It was the Lord. And Paul was determined to follow that course and to finish that course, to finish God's racetrack, if you like, that God had put him upon. You see, God had a plan for Paul's life from the very first day that he got saved, didn't he? God had a plan. God had a purpose. And that plan was laid out before Paul, and Paul was determined to finish that course. You know, for Paul, his course was the ministry, wasn't it? It was the ministry which involved the preaching of the gospel of the grace of God. He says that there. Verse 24, he says, So that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. This is the course, isn't it, for Paul? This was his course, his, his path that God laid out before him. God had called him to preach the message unto the Gentiles. Take the message to the Gentile nations and, and proclaim the truth that Christ is their Savior. Now, years before this, God had marked out this course when he met Paul on the Damascus Road. Just turn back to Acts chapter 9, just quickly. Acts 9, and verse 15. Acts 9, verse 15, it says, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. The Lord talking to Ananias here. But the Lord said the same thing to Paul. We know that from later on in Acts when Paul testifies of this. This was the course that God had laid out before Paul when he met him at, on the Damascus Road. This was God's purpose, that he was to take the gospel to the far reaches of the Roman Empire. 
And notice also the Lord says that he would suffer many things as well. That was part of the course, the journey that the Lord had sent him upon. But you know, Paul, he saw this ministry that God had given him as a great responsibility. And it was one that he, he didn't deserve. He knew he didn't deserve it. But God had put him into that ministry and God had enabled him. He says that in 1 Timothy. You just turn there, 1 Timothy chapter 1. I know we're turning to quite a few passages this morning, but 1 Timothy chapter 1. In verse 12, Paul says this, he says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with, with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul, he speaks about the fact there that he says, you know, I wasn't worthy of this ministry. Paul says, I was a blasphemer. I persecuted the church. But God in his grace had saved him, and God in his grace had called him. And God had enabled him for the ministry, for the course. You see, the point is that God, when he sets us on a course, he doesn't, set us on it without the ability to do it. God enables us to finish that course. God gave him the ability to finish his ministry. And it was with this knowledge that Paul determined to go forward. That's why he's so determined to keep going, because he says, God put me on this course. God enabled me. I'm not turning back. God will take me through. He knew God would bring him through, that God would complete the ministry using the Apostle Paul. And so nothing was going to deter him. And beloved, you know, like Paul, God has laid out a course before each of us. And we each have our own unique course to run. Now, we're all running the Christian race, if you like, the Christian life. But we all have our own unique course, don't we? Our own unique path that the Lord has set us upon. God has a will for our lives. And if we are going to faithfully run the course that is set before us and obtain the prize then it's going to take an attitude like Paul's. It's going to take determination to keep pressing forward and not turn back, to keep doing the will of God, even when it gets tough, even when it gets hard, even when there's a hard decision to make, that we keep pressing forward. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul speaks about the fact that the race takes commitment. It takes discipline. Just turn over there, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. <clears throat> First Corinthians 9 and, and verse 24 <clears throat> says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate, disciplined in all things. Now they, sorry, now they do it to obtain an incorruptible crown, but, sorry, a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my body, keep under my body, and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I've preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul speaks about the fact that it's not easy to run the course. It's not easy to, to run the race. It does take effort. It takes discipline. It takes commitments. In Hebrews chapter twelve, verse one and two, the writer speaks about running with patience, endurance the race that is set before us and looking unto 
Jesus for strength, the author and finisher of our faith. We look to him for strength to run this race, this course. And beloved, you know, if we are faithful, if we stick the course and we we run faithfully this course that God has set before us, then there is a prize awaiting for us in glory one day. The 2 Timothy chapter 4, just turn there. The 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 7. It says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Now here's Paul at the end of his life, and what does he say? He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. Paul, at the end of his life, was able to look back and he was able with confidence to say, I've finished the course that God set before me. And he says, henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, the victor's crown. You see, Paul was confident at the end of his life that he'd stayed the course, that he'd done what Christ had asked him to do and that there was a reward awaiting in heaven. You know, the end of that verse there, verse 8, tells us that there's a reward waiting for us as well. He says, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. There's a reward waiting for us. If we likewise stay the course, if we finish the course that God has set before us, keep our focus on him. And not on the things of this earth. We strive to, to run the race. Then when we get to the end, there's a prize. It will be worth it all. There's a victor's crown. A crown of righteousness awaiting for each of us. And so like Paul, we need determination, don't we? Determination to stay the course. Stick to the will of God for our lives. Paul now thirdly, we see Paul's declaration. We've seen the dangers ahead. We've seen Paul's determination. And now lastly this morning, we see Paul's declaration. Verse 25, we read this of Acts 20. And now behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. <laughs> Having expressed his determination to do God's will, to stay the course, no matter what the consequences might be, Paul now makes three declarations unto these Ephesian elders. He first of all declares there in verse 25 that he's not going to see them again. He says in verse 25, And now behold... I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Paul honestly believed this was the last time he was going to see any of these brethren. The last time he was going to be in Ephesus. The last time he was going to be in Miletus, sorry, and and see any of these, these brethren. You see, he believed that his present mission, going down in Jerusalem, And indeed, his future mission was going to take him far away, take him far from these brethren. Now, while he didn't know exactly what was going to happen in Jerusalem, he felt that if he did escape with his life, he would be heading to Rome. He'd be heading west, further away from these brethren. And so he declares that he's not going to see them again. And with this in mind, he then makes a second declaration. In verse 26, he declares that he's innocent of the blood of all men. He says in verse 26, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure 
from the blood of all men. Paul starts the verse there with the words, Wherefore, I take you to record this day. It's, it's as if he's standing here before a court and he's making an oath. And he's saying, take these words down, record this oath, record my words. And the oath was that he was pure from the blood of all men. You see, this was a bold declaration. It was Paul declaring that he had done everything required of him. Paul was basically saying that he could leave with a clear conscience. He could leave and leave them to God's care, knowing that he had done everything God had asked him to do. Now, this statement, pure from the blood of all men, is a reference to the watchmen upon the city walls. Ezekiel is the passage in particular which talks about it. But Paul has already made reference to this idea back in chapter 18 and verse 6. Chapter 18 and verse 6, it says, And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go unto the Gentiles. It's the same idea, referring to this idea of the watchman upon the city walls. You see, the watchman's job was to warn the people of impending danger. Now, they saw the army coming, warn the people, sound the bell, sound the trumpet. The people's job was to respond. You see, if the, the watchman said they're coming, if he warned the people and the people did nothing, well, their blood is upon their own head. They're guilty. But if the watchman didn't do his job, well, then he's guilty. And that's the point here. That's, that's the reference that Paul is referring to here. He's saying to the Ephesian elders, he's saying, I've done my job as the watchman. I've done my part. He'd been faithful to his calling. In verse 31 of the same chapter there, uh, chapter 20, verse 31, Paul says, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears for three years he'd warned them night and day for three years he'd been preaching and teaching them god's word he had done his job he'd done his job and that leads him to make his third declaration there in verse 27 he says this for i have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of god you see this is the reason why he could be so confident that he was, he was innocent of the blood of all men. This is why he could be so confident that he had done everything God asked him to do. Because Paul hadn't held back anything that was profitable unto them. That's what we read earlier last Sunday, verse 20. It says, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. Paul hadn't held back anything. He preached unto them the whole counsel of God. He had equipped them for the ministry. He had warned them of the dangers to come. He had indeed given them everything they needed to now continue in the walk of the Lord, continue walking a Christ-like life, to grow in Christian maturity. See, the point that Paul's making is if, if they didn't now go on to Christian maturity, it wasn't his fault. They couldn't turn around and blame Paul. They couldn't blame his ministry. They couldn't accuse him of not being faithful. He had done everything God had called him to do. And now the work going forward was in their hands. Remember, he's talking to the Ephesian elders here. He's talking to the pastors of the church at Ephesus. And now, if you like, he's passing the baton. Now it's their job to be the watchman. It's their job now. It's their responsibility. 
to teach the people, to disciple the people in the faith. And, you know, this is what Paul now goes on to say in the rest of the chapter. He challenges these Ephesian elders to follow his example and take care of the flock of God. Just read on there, verse 28. He says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves, and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch, and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now behold, I commend you to God, and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, and to give you an inheritance among them that are, which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities, and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how, that he, how he said, It is more blessed to give than receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed, with them all. <clears throat> it's Paul's address now to them. He now challenges them going forward. He passes the baton. And we're going to look at his challenge for the future next week. You know, I wonder today whether we could, with Paul, with confidence, declare that we're being faithful, faithful to the calling of God upon our lives. You know, we stay in the course. You know, are we willing to do God's will no matter what comes our way. No matter what it means. If it means giving up all, are we willing to do it? Are we willing to sacrifice all for Christ? You know, can we say with Paul, none of these things move me? Can we say that? None of these things move me. You know, the Lord has a course. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Lord has a course. He has a race for each of us to run. Let us therefore, as the writer of the Hebrews said, lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. <clears throat> and Lord, we pray that you would help us to indeed stay the course. Lord, you have a unique course for each of us to run as believers. And Lord, I pray you would help us to know your will and help us to be determined to do your will, no matter what comes our way, no matter what obstacles are thrown up before us, trusting that you have a plan, you have a purpose to it all. Lord, help us to indeed lay, lay aside every weight and every sin which does so easily beset us. And help us to keep our eyes upon you and in your strength finish the course. We pray that you bless now as we close. We praise him in Jesus' name. Amen.